You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul concludes his discussion of Genesis chapter 28 with an excerpt from the book of Acts chapter 7. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Take the classic example of Paul. Now, if you like Paul, you start defending it. He's speaking ironically. But others would say, you know, he was filled of himself, you know, in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. He's telling his story. He's a big ego and so on. But he's making fun of you and of the other people who lured you to take seriously. I can give you an example. How is it that the same student at St. Vladimir's Seminary would say about most of my colleagues, that's the tradition, you know, they are really good and nice and humble and so on and so forth. And Father Paul is full of himself because it behooves you to do that because it's a nicer way to be like them. Like the Orthodox patriarchs, you know, they have 54 sets of vestments that they change throughout the year and from the altar they speak about humility and serving the others. How is that possible? It is impossible. Take the President of the United States. He has Air Force One and Air Marine One and so on and a car that is anti-bullet and so on. You cannot even say, wow, wow, but the way he stepped in the car, I took a picture on my iPhone. He looked so humble. I mean, is that for real? Are you talking seriously? How could an Orthodox priest doing during the liturgy, look humble in his vestments. I kept just in honor of the nun that uh, gifted it to me. She died recently in Lebanon. and uh, It's so beautiful and so impressive. You should see the Greek Orthodox priests whenever they see me. We're, oh, Father Paul, it's out of this world. But in her honor and for my colleague and for the Parisian who were, but how can you say, you know, I took a picture of Father Paul during the liturgy and look how humble he looks. So we have really to make that effort of honesty, honesty. But anyway, it's a text standing on its own, but also in its place. That somehow Jacob will be locked into Bethel. Again, as a reminder for my hearers, that the kingdom of the north 
in the biblical story, whose religious capital was Bethel, was referred to as Israel, Jacob, or Joseph, or Ephraim, but not Judah. So the link is very clear. And this is what is going to happen, the parallel of David later and so on. You go to Haran, you come back, you build Bethel. You go to Egypt, you come back, you build Jerusalem. And then after the schism, you know, where Israel would decide to go on its own, the other 11 tribes or 10 tribes, and then you have Bethel becomes the center of everything. But then, obviously, in the text, it goes back to Abraham. It is linked with the story of the biblical Israel. Before moving ahead, we have a parallel of this story that the author of Acts understood. Do you remember how in the book of Acts, in chapter 7, in the speech of Stephen, against the temple, obviously, hear this, and I have the text in its length, because it takes into consideration the play about building the house. So when I said that this points to David later, it's already there. Let's hear what we have in Acts 7, 42 through 50. But God turned and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer to me slain beasts and sacrifices forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel, Ecos Israel? And you took up the tent of Moloch and the star of the god Drephan, the figures which you made to worship, and I will remove you beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, even as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it the tent according to the pattern that he had seen in the heavens, which means the reflection of the house that wisdom built in the heavens is not the Hagia Sophia of Constantine and Justinian, with all due respect to the Orthodox. It cannot be biblically so. Because Moses built a tent according to what he had seen. Now I know the ecumenical pattern can tell you, you know friends, the Hagia Sophia is my tent in actuality. Oof, and then we start uploading. Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations which God thrust out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David. I'm reading Acts. Who found favor in the sight of God and asked leave 
to find a habitation for the God of Jacob. It is to evrin skinoma. It's a tent habitation. And the RSV has for the God of Jacob in the original Greek of Acts to the house of Jacob. Which means the RSV is fooling you. The French has une résidence pour la maison de Jacob, to Iko Jacob, not the God of Jacob. And this is a play on what we find in Samuel, where he wanted to build a tabernaculum in the Latin, which is the translation of icon. So they got it right. That is not a house, but a building to the God of Jacob. So you could see this whole issue where the translations are battling with this issue, which is basically who's building the other house, remembering that the house for a shepherd is the tent and the family. It's not a building. And you have Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 where you say, you are the individuals of that building which is not a building of stone. But again, Acts got it, again from the Bible. The trick in the biblical story is that David did not build that house to God. Actually, in the Old Testament, God did not allow him to do that. And for the people ask me, why did it? It's because the author wanted to leave the name David with the one who was a shepherd, and at the end of the age, he will be returned to be a shepherd, whereas Solomon was not a shepherd. But let's go back to Acts. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made with hands, as the prophet says. And this is taken from Isaiah chapter 66. Heaven is my throne and earth my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? And I'm still reading the book of Acts. So it's an interesting chapter, the book of Acts, especially at the end on this play about the temple and so on. And it's very clear what the intention of Stephen was. And then he was the first martyr. In other words, they destroyed him as a human being, as a body, but his message stayed in his words of witness to the biblical story. Okay, that would be chapter 28, important, and I took my time because really we need to read it as an irony and not as a good thing. Because I bet you even this preacher who said that Jacob was dysfunctional, 
I'm sure that chapter 28, he will read it from A to Z positively. He built a house for God. Chapter 29, then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east, Bene Qedem. And here again, I point out to you the connection with Genesis chapter 11. That famous Qedem, the sons of the east. It has importance in the story of Eden, but then it's picked up, and I talked about that plentifully in my book, The Rise of Scripture, that they were to the east. And again, my example is that even if you don't capture the first time the function, you have to remember that it is stated like that. And you could see how it is difficult. Like, read this to your congregation, and the people would ask, what is the land of the people of the East? And he looked, and he saw a well in the field, and then, lo, three flocks of sheep. It's another word, that parallels flock. But it's another word, and the Bible uses it. It's interesting in the Psalms whenever these two words appear in the same text. Either would be more interestingly the enclosure. But whatever, the whole thing is that suddenly you have the well, which had a lot of importance in chapter 26 in the story of Isaac and Abimelech. And then the field, which is that famous Sadeh, it's the earth as producing food and fruit. Remember, we have three words. Eres, which is the earth. Adama, it's the ground. And Sadeh, it's the field. But technically, it's, it's the same reality, but looked upon from three different perspectives. and three flocks of sheep lying beside it. In other words, there was enough. It's a big oasis that could feed more than one flock. It's unusual to say three, you know, blocks of sheep. For out of that well, the flocks were watered. Very nice. I mean, what do we mean? We're watered. I mean, I don't want to push the Hebrew here. And I was given water. The stone on the well's mouth was large. Interesting how this is picked up in the New Testament. So you needed a lot of people to move it. And then John plays on that, the well and so on, and the living water and the resurrection, and so on and so forth. Anyway, but let's not push our luck for the time being. It makes sense here that it was a big well that is enough for three flocks, and thus the mouth obviously was very large. But you needed more than one person, and you know, the shepherds and the flock and so on. 
And when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network. 